When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Pensburg podcast. I am your host Garrett Bahanna and as always alongside me fellow Pensburg contributor Robbie Noggle. Robbie, we took a week off last week due to American Thanksgiving. We're back in the saddle here. It is the first day of December 2022. Where does the time go? How have you been? Uh, how was your week off? How was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving, hey, not much to complain about. It was a lot of good food, good family time. Uh, nothing really to complain about. It was uh, uh, nice to take maybe take a week off and kind of refresh and uh, reset and, as I said, eat some good food and uh, just kind of enjoy uh, the holiday and relax a little bit before um, we kind of get into the Christmas season here. Yep, exactly. We'll be doing it all again in about three, three and a half weeks' time for a Christmas Eve and Christmas and New Year's. So this week's episode of the Pensburg podcast was going to largely be about where the Penguins had gone uh, since our last episode premiered two weeks ago. And uh, unfortunately, we have some more serious news to talk about, and we're going to shift focus to uh, the news that broke just a couple of days ago. Defenseman Chris Letang has suffered his second stroke since 2014. And uh, all reports, all preliminary reports are that Latang is in good health. Uh, this stroke doesn't appear to be career or life-threatening, uh, which is obviously a positive thing to hear. You don't know, given Chris Latang's uh, prior medical history, this being the second stroke he has suffered in his professional hockey career, uh, the word stroke is always a terrifying word to hear no matter what age you are. Uh, but good on Latang for reporting some of his symptoms and and admittedly knowing his body well enough to not push it past its limit. And with Latang out of action indefinitely, there, there is no timeline for for his return. He uh, he did say that he was very adamant and he wanted to go back out onto the ice. And uh, as we record this on the first earlier uh, earlier in the day, while the Penguins were practicing, uh, I do believe Latang skated at the uh, UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex. Just very briefly, it wasn't high intensity from all accounts. It was essentially just a quick spin on the ice. Again, there there is no timetable for Chris Letang's eventual return, and we are not going to speculate. We are not doctors. Uh, we only play doctors on television, Robbie and I do. Uh, but with that said, the Penguins, even in Letang's absence, will have to continue to march on. With Letang out indefinitely, Robbie... Now it creates a little bit of of a shakeup on the defense, and uh, Latang would probably be the first one to admit that before uh, before suffering this most recent stroke, uh, his play wasn't at the level that we 
are typically accustomed to seeing now with Latang out for an undetermined amount of time, how does his absence change the defense? If you were Mike Sullivan, Robbie, uh, how would you construct the defensive pairings? Would you put Brian Dumoulin back on the top pair, potentially with, with Jeff Petrie? Does P.O. Joseph get elevated into the top four? Does Ty Smith come up from the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins to see what he can do on that left side? And does this absence of Latang in turn put more pressure on the offense to try and score more because of Latang's typically rock steady presence on the top pair? So it's a lot of questions I threw at you. We have more questions than we do answers at this point, at this juncture. Uh, but the Penguins will march on. Robbie, if you're in Mike Sullivan's shoes, simply put, how do you construct this defense for the next? Several weeks, months, who knows how long Latang will be out for. Yeah, it obviously has a tremendous impact on on the on the blue line for the Penguins because I mean not only are you losing a regular defenseman for uh, an unknown amount of time, you're losing your highest priced, most important defenseman for an unknown amount of time. Uh, to not just like a typical upper body, lower body injury, but to a very ser- serious medical condition. Luckily, it sounds like um, he is doing well, that the worst is behind him. But with these kind of conditions, you 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 never know. I mean, you didn't expect him. Uh, you certainly didn't wake up on Wednesday expecting to hear that Chris Letang uh, suffered yet another stroke, uh, the second of his playing career, which is pretty uh, astounding uh, to say. Uh, just in general, that a guy that had one stroke was still playing and now two strokes, and it looks like he will rejoin the Penguins at some point. Obviously, there are many uh, obstacles to get to that point, but uh, I digress and back to the original point here of what does it do to the blue line? It's obviously your key piece is missing from the blue line, uh, and Mike Sullivan has a lot of work to do to figure out what the proper combinations are uh, to fill in while the tang is out. And I think your first option is... P.O. Joseph, he's been playing well. He's been playing very well. Um, he, Everybody kind of thought he was going to be up for a short stint and then traded away, and now he has been one of their most important defensemen. Um, from an experience standpoint, I, Jeff Petrie is probably the guy that is most likely to get elevated to that top spot. Uh, not necessarily that he's had a great season. I think he, even by his standards, has had a, a struggle since coming over to the Penguins. But Jeff Petrie would logically be the guy to step into that role. He has the offensive game, maybe not quite the same offensive game that Crystal Tang has, but he does have the offensive instincts to fill that role as best as possible and uh, the kind of the track record uh, to do that. Now, who do you put next to him is anybody's guess. Uh, I don't think Brian Dumoulin should be moved back up to that top pairing. I think him in the sheltered minutes is fine and you keep him there. Maybe P.O. Joseph is, uh, is a guy you you look in that position or maybe um, you try back with Marcus Pedersen um, with Jeff Petrie. It wasn't always the best combination, but they were working together. They did have some success together. I think logically the first, the first guy to go up into the tank spot is Jeff Petrie. I think P.O. Joseph has played his way into that conversation as well. But I think with his experience, and what you're paying him for. He has experience as a first-pairing defenseman. Jeff Petrie is that guy right now. As for Ty Smith, I think that logically, yeah, you're going to see Ty Smith at some point. 
during Latang's absence, whether it's a game from now, 10 games from now, whatever the the timeline is uh, for Latang, I think at some point you will see Ty Smith. It just makes sense. Ty Smith showed the offensive flash uh, in the preseason. So if you're looking to get replace some of that Latang offense, you have Petrie, but you also have an offensive minded defenseman in Ty Smith down on the farm in Wilkes-Barre, who from all accounts is playing well. And he's shown the offensive skill, the upside at the NHL level in the past as a rookie and a second year player with New Jersey. So I think that at some point, yeah, we're going to see Ty Smith. I think this is the, uh, the crack in the door that uh, needed to, I needed to open for Smith to get that chance because for the most part, the Penguins blue line has been pretty healthy this year. Um, overall, nothing, at least nothing long-term that would have necess- necessitated a call up with Chad Ruedel uh, at their disposal. You also have Mark Friedman at the disposal as well. So I think if you're looking for, to replace a pure sk- offensive skill guy like Latang for a long period of time, I think this is where Ty Smith makes sense. If it's just a game or two, obviously, uh, you maybe just call up Friedman or try to work with just the six you have in Pittsburgh. But knowing that Latang is more than likely going to be out for an extended period of time, we will probably, I'm guessing, see Ty Smith at some point uh, here in the coming weeks uh, to maybe try to alleviate some of that offensive pressure. And uh, with that said, uh, be sure to follow along at pensburg.com for the latest news and notes regarding Latang's status and all of the other developing stories that happen with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And we will bring you any new information we have with any uh, additional episodes of the Pensburg podcast. And with that now, we will flip the switch to our mailbag segment. We have eight questions this week from our loyal listeners. Uh, if you're interested in contributing to this mailbag segment, you can do so by following our Pensburg podcast Twitter account at Pensburg Pod. Every week we will send out a, a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. Robbie, as always, you'll get question number one. Question number one comes from Brian. Uh, he's back with quite a few questions this week, as he always is. We appreciate the uh, the engagement and involvement from everyone who submits the questions. Question number one, Brian asks, what do you do with big Jeff Carter? Other than being very good in the face-off circle, he's been dragging down the entire third line. Do you move him to the wing and let Teddy Bluger center his line and Ryan Paling center the fourth Robbie, if you're Mike Sullivan, what are you doing with Jeff Carter? Yeah, a, a very important question for what the Penguins do uh, with Jeff Carter. Obviously, the price is high to just sit that guy in the press box, but, man, he really is struggling. He really is dragging down that third line. Man, I, it just – that Bluger line, that fourth line with Bluger and Paling and McGinn is just – it's just clicking right now, and I hate to see that broken up. So your options for replacing um, Carter are kind of limited in that capacity because you don't really have another good, good center that can just slide in there uh, and make and kind of fill in that hole if you would take Carter out of the lineup. Um, do you maybe tr- try to put Paling at center, move Carter to a wing on the fourth line and Bluger up to the third line? I mean, that might be something worth exploring, but yeah, it's a very hard question to be 
uh, to be explored right now for Mike Sullivan, but it seems like at some point, Ben break, it's you're going to have to make a decision on what to do with Jeff Carter because he really is just sagging down that third line, and it just seems like it gets worse and worse uh, every game. The faceoffs are nice, but we need much more than that if this team wants to be a contender, get keep themselves, and they've worked themselves back in the playoff picture. Now they want to keep themselves there, and you don't want another long long losing streak you want that the bottom six to start or to keep producing like they did when they were bouncing back uh during their winning streak so the answer to what you do with big jeff carter i think maybe you try the paling to center on the fourth blue good to the center in the third and then see if you can just bury carter on the fourth line uh because it's it it is it's bad and that penguins are have been known to have some really good third lines and right now they just don't uh, question number two, again from Brian. Uh, isn't it a shame during the Sid and Gino era we got worse than good goaltending, especially in the playoffs? Yeah, Brian, I think you you pose another what-if question uh, that I included in this week's mailbag. Uh, but for this question in particular, focusing on the goaltending, it certainly is one of the bigger what-ifs over the last, uh, what, 10 to 15 years of the the Penguins' history. Uh, and really, that all comes back to one player, and that one player is Mark Andre Fleury. And for as much love as Fleury is given now, it's not like he wasn't given any love while he was here in Pittsburgh. But uh, part of his legacy was going to be before the 2016 and 2017 Stanley Cups. Uh, part of his legacy was going to be his disastrous play in the postseason. Going back to the 2009-2010 season, Fleury finished with seven seven wins, six losses, an 891 save percentage, and a 278 goals against. The following year, 2010-2011, 899 save percentage, 252 goals against. 2011-2012, 834. Uh, I believe it was the I believe the 2011-2012 was the Flyers series, if my memory serves. Uh, 834 save percentage in the postseason. 2012-2013, uh, 883 save percentage. 3.51 goals against. 2013-2014, he starts to rebound with a 915 save percentage. 2014-2015, 927, 2.12 goals against. 2015-16, 875 save percentage. However, he only played in, uh, I believe he only played in two games while Matt Murray came in and Flurry would get something of a redemption in 2016, 2017. He would be the one to basically carry that team to its back-to-back Stanley cup with a 924 save percentage and a 2.56 goals against. But yeah, after the Penguins won that Stanley cup in 2008, 2009, how many people were on sports radio and sports TV here and in Canada saying that this was the beginning of another Penguins dynasty. This was the next generation finally coming through. And it took until 2016 to get that second Stanley Cup of the Crosby-Malkin era. I won't say it's 1,000% on Marc-Andre Fleury's fault, but there is no question. You can't deny his postseason struggles, his mental struggles, getting in his own head for that stretch of games uh, between 2009-2010 and 2013-2014 was, uh, it was a doozy. And if you were a Penguins fan and you were watching during those years, you were just left to kind of 
facepalm and and wonder how does this keep happening to us when we have Crosby and Malkin and Flurry and Latang in their prime. But yeah, he's rebounded. Flurry is going to be probably a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's cemented his legacy and he rebounded in 2016-17, uh, giving the Penguins the goaltending, the postseason goaltending that uh, they always wanted during those years, earlier years. Question number three from Brian for you, Robbie. What would you like to see to try and get the power play back on track? The first unit with that much talent shouldn't struggle this much with a man up. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, that's really, there's no beating around the bush there. The first, Well, the, the whole power play, first, second, third, fourth, whatever unit. Um, it doesn't matter, it seems, who they throw out there. It's bad. And, I mean, yeah, you're going to lose Crystal Tang now, as we talked about. So, Jeff Petrie will likely slide up to that uh, top power play. So, I mean, hey, maybe Jeff Petrie is the missing piece on the top power play. He does like to shoot the puck. He has a very nasty shot, a uh, very whipping, hard wrist shot. He doesn't. He's not really a, a clapper guy, but he will whip it on net. So, hey, maybe that, that helps. We'll see how his distribution is passing the puck uh, as a point man. So, yeah, he has experience in the top unit running a power play. So, uh, that way, hey, maybe that's the, the the missing piece. But I'd like to see Ricard Raquel maybe get a shot on the top unit. Brian Russ is really struggling right now, just all over. Uh, so maybe give him a shot on that top unit to see if he can't uh, energize them. He has a nasty shot, um, and he has that that Phil Kessel type shot off that uh, that that wing. He is a pure right-handed shooter, uh, so maybe he can. Uh, inject some life into that top unit. And really, I mean, the second unit is what it is. That kind of is the same case for uh, just about every team, unless you're very loaded, maybe like a Tampa Bay, uh, where you can just roll out two very, very strong units. The second unit is what it is. But I think maybe, I mean, maybe Petrie is the key to unlocking more of what they do. He can he can dish the puck. He can't shoot the puck. And maybe getting Ricard Raquel there on that top unit, a pure a pure shooter that can uh, really has a nice release that if they get him the puck uh, can kind of one time it from that side, um, kind of like a Phil Kessel did not a slapper, but that very, very accurate and hard wrist shot. Question number four, again, Brian uh, really helping us fill up the mailbag this week. What is one, what if you think about the most with this team? Um, and this is more not the team, the current team, but the franchise as a whole. And mine is if Stahl never leaves Pittsburgh. So during the uh, during the, the early days of the COVID pandemic, when we were still trying to figure out what in the world was going on, um, I remember we were the the writers at Pennsburg and really all throughout SB Nation were kind of just writing whatever kind of came to mind. There were no sports on. There was nothing to really recap or hard news to write about. And uh, they had a what-if week uh, examining certain what-if scenarios uh, that could could have impacted, you know, alternate timeline, that sort of thing. And so I was doing some research for this question, and uh, I, apparently I wrote something on Pennsburg from May 14th, 2020, what if Sidney Crosby never suffered his concussion in 2011? So... Uh, I was looking through back what what I wrote, and I, I I hold firm, yeah, this this would be my what if scenario. So going back to the start of the 2010-2011 season, Crosby was entering his age 23 season, which for an athlete, that's really the beginning of your 
professional athletic career, your prime, your athletic prime, Sidney Crosby was on a 25-game point streak that began on November 5th, 2010 against the Anaheim Ducks, which ran through December 28th against the Atlanta Thrashers. During that streak, Crosby racked up 26 goals and 24 assists for 50 points with two hat tricks thrown in there for good measure. The streak was tied for the 11th longest point streak in NHL history, and he was named the first star of the month in both November and December. So Crosby's incredible run earned him all-star game honors for the 2011 season. And I made the argument that you could see this could have been Crosby's best statistical season as an NHL player. And had Crosby continued on the pace he was on before he got injured, it would have been good for 64 goals and 132 points, which is 12 more points than he registered during his 120-point season during 2006-2007. So that was a long-winded response to me saying Sidney Crosby's concussion. You know, we, we talked about Marc-Andre Fleury just a few questions ago and the, the goaltending that they got. Sidney Crosby's concussion, Evgeny Malkin's ACL injury, that kind of derailed the Penguins in the early 2010s in the postseason department. Uh, but thankfully, both Crosby, Malkin, and eventually uh, eventually Flurry were able to right the ship. But yeah, uh, seeing what Crosby would have been able to do during that streak, just at 23 years old, I don't know. He's really never been able to replicate that. And of course, as as Crosby got older, it was going to be harder for him to replicate that pace anyway. If he plays that full season at his peak athletic dominance, I mean, he looked like he was another player. Seeing someone uh, potentially register 132 points over an 82-game season in this day and age would have been incredible because you, you're not going to see that kind of 1980s-style Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux offense from the players and how the game is played in this day and age. So that's my biggest what if. What if Crosby would have never suffered the concussion in 2011? Question number five, also from Brian. Uh, if Jason Zucker continues to play at this level, do you think management should slash will bring him back next season? Uh, that's going to be all the price. Um, again, we know the cap will go up a bit next year. Uh, it really depends on what, Jason Zucker would command on the open market, which it's really hard to say right now. I mean, he's playing well. He's not, he has cooled off a little bit. So, I mean, he's not um, playing quite the level he was at the beginning of the season, but he definitely brings uh, an element to this team that nobody else brings. And there is a lot of value in that. Uh, if the scoring touch uh, reemerges and he gets back on that track and is a 20, 25 goal scorer, he's going to command a decent amount of money. And it really depends on what the Penguins' plans are. We have no idea what the situation is um, going forward with with this team. We know that the big names are locked in. Is Zucker one of those big names? I don't think he's a four-, five-, six-year contract kind of guy. But, hey, you never know. Um, I think he brings a very interesting element to this team. And, was clearly evident when he was healthy last year in the playoffs. And it's clearly evident when he's on the ice this year. Um, he's a very annoying player. I'm sure other teams do not like when he is on the ice. Uh, so does he come back next year? I'd say it's in the realm of possibility. I don't think it's a easy right now to say uh, yes or no, he comes back. Uh, it'll depend on what the cap situation is. 
what his market value is because again if he puts together a 2025 goal season there's going to be a team out there that's probably going to give him much more than what uh, the penguins can afford though we did say the same thing about brian rust uh, even if the um kind of uh aspects of the two players are a little bit different with brian rust being a pittsburgh a penguin lifer and rust coming in uh, from out of town so I definitely think you could see Zucker in Pittsburgh next year, but I can also see the argument for him uh, not being in Pittsburgh next year. If he continues this level of play, though, I do think the Penguins will be very interested in re-signing him if uh, the price is right. Uh, Six is Brendan. Um, Our fourth line has been a a surprising HBK replica since Teddy returned. I think Teddy could be a quality 3C. Should they try a Heinen-Bluger-Kapanen? and a Paling carter archibald matchup? The desire to have Teddy Bluger sort of man that that third-line center position has been something that... uh, It's it's something that we've tried to manifest. I'm not saying Bluger isn't capable of it, because I think he is. He's a solid, very solid defensive center who can chip in offensively from time to time. When I think of Teddy Bluger, I don't think about offense... I more or less think about what he brings in the his defensive game, but at this point, what do you have to lose? Because as Robbie, as you as he talked about earlier with Brian's question, could it be any worse than having Jeff Carter, who's currently centering the third line and continues to bring it down uh, based on his quality of play? Could it be any worse? But then at the same time. Robbie's argument was, do you really want to tinker with what the fourth line has going for it right now with how well it is buzzing? Do you really want to mess with that chemistry at the moment? Uh, Another part of the question, too, is would you have Carter even center the fourth line or would you put Carter on the wing uh, and have Paling center a line like Robbie mentioned as well? I don't know if given Carter's age and the decline in his skating ability, you know, with being a center and having to take on more of a defensive role and sharing defensive responsibility, having to play uh, probably, you could probably uh, agree it's more of a 200-foot game. And for Carter being 37 years old and having really lost a step compared to the younger Teddy Bluger, uh, it's it's one of the reasons why he's bringing that third line down. So. I would be in favor of having Bluger on the third line, but as of this point, as I sit here on December 1st, not at the expense of what the fourth line is doing right now. If the fourth line goes into a rut and Jeff Carter continues to falter, maybe five to ten games from now, if things cool down on that fourth line, maybe I move Bluger up and Carter goes down, or maybe Carter goes on the wing and Paling goes in the fourth line center role. But yeah, that... Like Robbie said, the Penguins are quite limited with what they can do in terms of personnel and their lack of cap space. Potentially, if if Chris Letang goes on long-term injured reserve, maybe that opens up different avenues for the Penguins to explore. If uh, Kasperi Kapanen gets traded, I know his name has been thrown around in trade rumors. If he gets traded or sent down to the minors, you know that would also open up uh, roughly $3 million in cap space for the Penguins. So, They're limited right now. They have ways to dig themselves out of this hole, but it will be pretty difficult to dig themselves out of the hole because of the assets that they would trade, the the lack of salary cap space. It's really working against the Penguins right now. So we'll see what happens with Latang's injury. We'll see what happens with Kapanen's production. He's been scratched for a long period of time. We'll see if 
He gets a wake-up call. This may be his last opportunity with the Pittsburgh club before he either gets permanently scratched or sent down. Who knows? Question number seven from Brendan. I have tickets to all the World Junior Championship games in Halifax this year. Are there any prospects that you're keeping an eye on? I mean, obviously the big name if you're going to uh, the World Junior Games is going to be Connor Bedard, the consensus uh, number one overall pick. He plays for Team Canada. Um, I think that's going to be like, I mean, if I had tickets, I would definitely be uh, going to um, all those games just to see uh, just to see him in action. Uh, because, I mean, you just don't get to see guys that young, that good uh, play all the time. So definitely take advantage of that. Um, I don't believe Rush is invited, so I don't know if any, I doubt any of the Russian prospects that may get drafted uh, high in the in the draft are going to be there. Adam Fantilli, who plays uh, college hockey, he should be there for Canada, an interesting top of the draft um, or prospect that is expected to be drafted in that top five. Uh, I don't know if anybody that was drafted last year, um, like a Shane Wright or... Uh, Sokfkowski, or however you pronounce his name from Montreal, uh, will be sent there. I don't know what their status is. Uh, Leo Carlson from Team Sweden, I'm assuming he will be there. He is playing overseas, uh, but he is in the age range where he can come um, uh, come over and uh, play in the World Juniors. So, I mean, Bedard's the big name that sticks out. Um, uh, and luckily, I mean, if you're in the, in the United States, the NHL Network, uh, does uh, broadcast all the Team USA games at the very least, so hopefully you get a chance to tune in. Tune in. But, I mean, if you have tickets to go, I'd definitely be getting my, my eyes on Connor Bedard. Um, and especially if you're a Penguins fan, hey, if things don't work out uh, playoff-wise, maybe the Penguins can get a lucky bounce on that uh, on a lottery ball uh, come springtime if uh, and they can get uh, a Connor Bedard-type player. And that kind of keeps us... Wouldn't oh my explode? gosh! It'd be it worse than it'd be worse than if Edmonton got the first overall pick. Oh, it would just be fantastic. It would be, it would be. I mean, a lot of, I'm sure a lot of people don't exactly remember because Twitter wasn't around in 2005. Obviously, when Crosby, um, when Crosby was the lottery went to the Penguins for Crosby, uh, the Penguins had that streak of, uh, Malk or Flurry, Malk, and Crosby. Uh, and then Stahl was in there as well. Uh, those high draft picks, it would have been, yeah, it really would have been uh, something back then. But now if it would happen if the Penguins missed the playoffs, I kind of was kind of thinking about that back in uh, 2020 when the Penguins made the playoffs but didn't make the playoffs with the COVID. Uh, and they were in the lottery for um, uh, Lafreniere. Uh, and the the Rangers got him. I was always kind of like, man, if that ball would bounce to the, what would they say? What would Twitter be like if it ended up being the Penguins uh, that got that draft pick? Um, so yeah, if it would happen, because Connor Bedard is, I mean, we're talking highly touted. We're talking McDavid hype, Crosby hype, that kind of hype for this guy. If it would, if the Penguins would miss the playoffs and win the draft lottery, man, this place would, Twitter would probably meltdown oh man so fingers crossed if the penguins don't make the playoffs that's the outcome because that's the next best thing question eight uh last but not least is mike rosenthal uh do we trust our goalie tandem this season again and if we make the playoffs will they be the downfall 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I have full faith in Tristan Jari provided he's healthy. If spicy pork and broccoli, if we, <laughs> if we're in an alternate uh, reality timeline universe, whatever, where spicy pork and broccoli doesn't become an overnight meme, uh, and, and Jari is healthy, or even Casey DeSmith is healthy, I one thousand percent believe that they would have dispatched the Rangers in five or six games. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they were the Penguins were that much of a better team, even with Igor Shosturkin having the season of his life. Uh, so far, I mean, the goaltending this season hasn't exactly been one of the brighter spots. Jari is eight, three and three with a two ninety one goals against and a nine fourteen save percentage with one shutout to his name. And, uh, over the last four games or so dating back to November 19th, uh, Jari's play has picked up considerably. Yeah. If he's healthy, if Jari is fully healthy, he is still Jari himself is still looking for the redemption from the, the Islanders series, the, the year prior when it was a complete meltdown and he didn't get that. He really didn't get that redemption, uh, this past year against the Rangers take game seven out of the equation when he was basically on one foot. He is looking for his redemption in the postseason. I have faith in Jari. Uh, we have to get there. We, we have to punch a ticket to the dance, uh, first and foremost, which not me being a cynic or anything like that, but, Early on, at least so far, that losing streak the Penguins were on, uh, it's not like the sky was falling, but the Penguins have work to do uh, if they want to be considered a serious contender as we head towards the the spring months of February, March, April, May, and uh, playing some summertime hockey. But yeah, I have full faith in Jari and DeSmith, uh, provided that they are fully healthy come postseason time. All right, eight questions in, eight questions out. That will do it for this episode of the Pensburg Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast, and we will see you right back here this time next week.